Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Patrick Mooney and Zahadev Sharma. Uh, you know, I, th- I did your names in reverse order that time. I think it's because our Zoom screen as we're recording, Patrick is in like the upper left this time, and Zahadev's bottom right. But mid-sentence, I was like, you know what? I should change it up. I should, you know, I, f- I don't know why Zahadev always gets top billing over Mooney. That's not cool. Uh, in fact, I'm really not sure that that's, that's, that's really the order of, of what they bring to the show. So, you know, consider that a challenge going forward today, guys. I'm going to, you'll now know it's an internal ranking that I'm doing as I introduce the show, who I feel like has contributed the most. You will, you will come after me. Brett's Hunger Games. We can compete for your affection. That's right. That's right, Forever. Gallagher. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know. you. Uh, he's already got really a cool nickname. I'm screwed here. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, look at us in our jovial mood, light spirited, and joking about the, these things after the Cubs win 16 to four over the Mets last night. That just just perks everyone up. Um, no, it, you know it's funny. It's not unlike the the huge um, offensive output against the Braves over the weekend. Um, it, we're not so divorced from seeing these kinds of outputs from this offense. We have seen games like this every year since the offense broke. We have seen these huge burst games. And in fact, um, it was actually, it's one of those like seminal pieces, I think, that sticks with people throughout this period. You, maybe it was both of you wrote it together, uh, a piece as long as about two or three years ago about how the Cubs were atypical in their scoring, not just that they're like, it, it was at a time when their offense was putting out decent numbers overall. But when you looked at the volume of runs they would score on like a per game basis, when you look at each game, do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, it was actually, well, because I, I'd get annoyed at how people would just rip the offense. And I'm like, the overall numbers are good. This is a good offense. What are we complaining about here? And then someone essentially said, I think they're inconsistent. I'm like, all right, well, let's try and figure out if that's true. And, and it turned out like, if you look at their scoring distribution, it was kind of ridiculous compared to, especially like the top, I think they were a top 10 offense by weighted runs created plus at that point. Right. And, and I looked at all the other offenses and it was just like, yeah, this is, oddly like up and down it's either like a couple zero to two run games or you're getting like eight plus and that's just not how it how it should work right and and yeah exactly I guess that's what we have seen the last week or so right and and I guess it's better signs of life better than better than batting one what was the low point at, at you know like 160 something maybe below that uh, they're like 201 they're above 201 baby now 201 Woo! You know, they're within shouting distance of the Yankees, and and that's an offensive powerhouse, right? Hey. Don't 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 go read any of Lizzie Adler's work uh, right now. To can I? Well, <laughs> to, can to I just show how terrible they've been so, this year? I have found it really fascinating to follow, not just what the Yankees are doing, but like the fan reaction to it as like a total mirror for <laughs> observing what we do as Cubs fans and like how we think about these things and what is an appropriate sample size what's not because like I see what's happening with the Yankees and I'm like guys chill out it's like 17 games give me a break it's nothing <laughs> and yet uh, you know here the Cubs are eight and nine and uh, you know just coming off a 16 to 4 win and I'm still kind of like yeah but uh, I, uh, I we'll get into that but um yeah I think it was appropriate that so obviously the Cubs won the first game of the series as well 3-1 offense 
you know, it was mostly gift stuff from the Mets to score those runs. And um, they luck out in tonight's concluding game, missing Jacob deGrom, uh, who was clearly too terrified to face this behemoth Cubs lineup. Uh, <laughs> and I have started thinking, I don't know if we'll see it or not, but I, you may want to dip back into that well about the inconsistency of the offense. You may find in a month or so you've got some more data from this year to see if it's continued to hold true. And I think that the it isn't as if it's just like fluky where it's like, oh, yeah, they just happened. You know, we, we studied some data and they happen to score a lot of runs sometimes and not a lot other times. It's the nature of the offense. I mean, it's it has what this offense has become over the years. And I think that is in part what was really nice to see about last night's win over the Mets, where the Cubs scored 16, but only one home run. I mean, it was just a lot of balls in play that were falling in for hits. And um, I don't know, it makes that's more fun to watch just purely as a fan. And I think it's encouraging at least as far as one game can be encouraging at a narrative level to be able to say, Oh yeah, cool. They put some balls in play. They can do it. They can. They don't have to strike out twelve times a game. I don't know. Did they strike out twelve times last night? <laughs> I think it was only eight. Their 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 strikeout rate over the last four or five uh, games is is a respectable top offense like twenty three by weighted runs created plus like the best offense in baseball over the last week. Just saying. <laughs> well, there you go. See, it's all turning. Uh, <laughs> I I have to say that. The balls in play were, were fun. Uh, it was nice to see that. <laughs> I I know this is this is cruel, but I I could not stop laughing with the Wilson Contreras double, uh, the one that was just a grounder up the middle, and like I, it was Jeff McNeil, right? Jeff McNeil like had it, like he all he had to do was put his glove down, but he kind of stopped and like looked at Francisco Lindor, who was like not really close enough to make the play, and they both kind of looked at each other. It's like, no, you take it, sir. No, good sir, you take the ball, and then it just kind of like rolled to the center fielder, and I I almost that that was the play that sent me like I I was just cracking up in the press box. I was like, this has gone too far. This is this this series has been insane so far, and you know I. I guess you can't you can't get that from you know a fifteen strikeout game. So balls in play are entertaining in various ways, right? Uh, and, and it's just like a little. I, I thought it was kind of perfect because we were talking about the expected uh, numbers for the Cubs before the game, and Ross even said like he's like those those expected statistics kind of make me laugh, right? Because baseball, as much as I trust those numbers and I, I think there's value in those numbers baseball is also kind of a ridiculous sport in that little dribbler grounders often do become hits more like and and you see hard lineouts I mean that's just what baseball is it's random and weird sometimes so for us to talk about the expected uh, statistics before the game with Ian Happ and David Ross and then for them to literally <laughs> like seeing I single the Mets to death and and watch them throw the ball around and win a game 16 to 4 with what like the only hard hit one was the homer I mean there wasn't really much else outside of that that you were like yeah that was a gapper or yeah that was a no doubter there was nothing there was nothing there it was but you'll take that and and that's I, I think sometimes that's all you're asking for you're just asking for more than walks and strikeouts as valuable as I believe walks are you need that ball in play you need and and that's why I know a lot of people question why Matt Duffy is on this team. I think that just goes to show how deficient this roster is at just doing 
the simple things on offense. It's not like I'm not I'm not trying to pump up Matt Duffy here and say he's the key, he's a catalyst to the offense. I'm just saying that's how desperate they are for that skill set. They don't have enough of it, and you see guys like Matt Duffy and Eric Sogard on the I mean, bench specifically because Matt of Matt Duffy included in the camp of people who were surprised that Matt Duffy was on the opening day roster. I mean, he was he'd be like <laughs> if he was on the podcast, he'd be <laughs> yeah. raising his hand. He's like, Yeah, I didn't see that coming either. <laughs> <laughs> he legit said that he, he said that after the game yesterday someone asked him like were you surprised and he was like uh honestly yes i didn't i didn't realize they valued the skills that i had until the until i was told well, I, like, I think oh. brett i think you're right of just like and it's out of as well you know reading Lindsay adler stuff of what's going on with the yankees and like you know gliber torres has been struggling you know we can't automatically put him up uh you know against the cubs struggles anymore like this is happening throughout the game i mean we point to the braves as this you know tough team for the cubs to face and i think ultimately they will be you know a 90 win team but they're facing you know the same questions i i, I rewatched uh chili davis's zoom with the uh new york media yesterday and just it was just one question after another of what's wrong with lindor what's wrong with alonzo against lefties what's going on with mcneil and um what i've always liked about chili is he just began it by saying this is going to sound like a lot of excuses but i'm going to try to explain what's going on and uh you know a lot of it was you know not getting into a rhythm yet i think they hadn't played like three games in three days in a row um and then just time getting out of cold weather like all that stuff you know does have an impact and you know i think we like to think that what happens to the cubs is like totally unique and like no one else in the game is going on throughout it but when you look around baseball and a lot of those teams we we'd expect to see in october i'm not putting the cubs in that bucket but like big market teams with a lot of expectations big names a lot of them haven't got going yet and even i mean i remember the red sox were buried at the beginning of the season then they ripped off like nine games in a row i mean we still every year it seems in april we have to be reminded that it is this isn't the nfl there's also the fact that our internal uh calibration on what decent offense looks like in the current environment is off like it's we're constantly having to reset it every year to the point where what you think an average offense looks like now um, is is totally different from the reality. I mean, the reality of, I, I believe it's like about a 700 OPS is an average offense in baseball this year, which is absurd. I mean, it's ridiculous. And we, and we still, I think I've said this before, we, we've got to get into that at some point on the podcast, some of the rules change stuff, and, and maybe it'll be appropriate once the minor league season gets underway and we start um, seeing some of those experimental rules in action. But I think it does matter in these conversations when we talk about the you know this offense is struggling or this offense is doing this well and da 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 you know when when the typical player is hitting 230 okay well that definitely resets the way you think about what the cubs are doing particularly as a team that is known not for being a contact team with decent batting average and what have you and um certainly 201 is is considerably below even average um but it's like it's not that crazy anymore. It just isn't in this version of the game. 
Yeah, I, I, like like I said, with the strikeout rate. I mean, imagine if I told someone that you know, oh, the Cubs, uh, the Cubs had a twenty three percent strikeout rate over the past over the past week, <laughs> and and that's good. Like that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> like you tell someone that for that that was watching the game fifteen years ago, and that would blow their mind. But I, I think contact. I think it's an issue across the game right now. Contact, and obviously it's extreme with the Cubs, but. Uh, I, you know, I think a lot of what I've read is uh, kind of pumping it up as like a pitcher thing, right? Like we, we've got so many great pitchers. Look at all these pitchers missing bats. Uh, for me, it's I, I, I still come back to uh, the offense and I and I wonder, you know, maybe maybe this is a maybe this is a separate discussion in the sense that it, it, it we could talk about the rule changes at some point. But I, I still come back to approaches on offense and what's valued on offense and what how the game is trended and what uh, what what characteristics uh, teams are looking for with their offensive uh, players when when they're drafting them when they're developing them when they're targeting them in international free agency all this stuff is uh, is uh, is you know we're not developing the right type of player in my opinion to make the game more entertaining but i think that's the point of potential rule changes is is you force those rule changes and you force uh front offices to think differently about what type of players they want to acquire because uh i I just keep coming back to yesterday's game it was entertaining to me i i know errors aren't good baseball and i know it wasn't a clean game but there was more stuff going on you weren't talking about you weren't ta- you weren't sitting there waiting for something to happen because there were a bunch of walks and strikeouts and then it's like okay the only way anything's going to happen is if someone sends something into the seats so it was it, i i like i said it wasn't a clean game but it was there was action there was something going on i i couldn't look down for a while and just kind of lose my you know focus looking up stats or or stuff like that because there was stuff happening from the fourth inning on Uh, i had to i had to be paying attention and and really focused on the game which is good which is a good thing we we want people engaged and and watching and 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 not drifting off into you know like baseball doesn't need to be a background i go back to what brett said i think in our previous episode of just how different the game is since 2016 or how the Cubs are being attacked and how the Dodgers were kind of a unique, uniquely difficult opponent for the Cubs at that time. And how, while everyone else doesn't do it as well, a lot of those concepts have kind of gravitated towards the mainstream of baseball. And it just kind of reminds me of how, like, no matter what, like this era for the Cubs is, was ending, not just because of contracts or or money or age, but, but I think, you know, ideally there will be some rule changes coming up to make the game more interesting. We're certainly going to have a new labor deal, you know, whenever that happens, hopefully on time and not after a protracted labor stoppage, but just kind of like, you know, things just don't stay the same. And, And I think, you know, we're going to see, you know, some of these, maybe it's subtle, maybe it's Theo, like as the puppet master, making these changes but like this idea of like kind of the 2016 Cubs just like continuing to be the same uh forever obviously is not realistic and you know Jed Hoyer said it when he took over of you know the kind of full-scale tanking rebuild that they did when they came here you just can't do that anymore it's not as effective so many other teams uh have tried it and it'll just be interesting to see like how the Cubs 
pivot here and it's a reminder to like keep our our minds open to what they might do and not just kind of assume that you know it's a sell-off the season's over and this is what they're doing that you know we have to let this play out and you know let them either surprise us or tell us exactly what they're going to do by their by their performance or underperformance yeah and in fact what we've seen the last what four or five games is uh, it's it really underscores a component of why it's so hard to tank in in the game these days or for a team like the cubs to tank uh for as much as cubs fans would decry the lack of uh adding to the talent of this group there's still a lot of individual talent too much to be a truly terrible team um and there are some truly terrible teams in baseball this year. And so even if the incentives were there to tank in a way that was going to be the only way to rebuild your organization, uh, I would argue in part because of the model that the Cubs and the Astros set up, there's just too many teams that are really trying to gut themselves. Uh, and it's just going to be too difficult for this Cubs team, even after a midseason sell-off, to uh, reliably count on being a bottom five team. And so that's why I keep telling folks and it it's like what you're saying Mooney let's just like give this first couple months at least an opportunity to surprise us and have the Cubs be competitive and then you know we we as as fans and evaluators will cross the bridge of July when we get to it and it's I think we've talked about it before it's it's fascinating to think about the white flag circumstances for the Cubs and the decisions that they'll have to make um but it's we're going to have so much more information by then. And it might be that the results look great uh, in the win and loss column, but we can see the underlying performance is just not going to justify keeping it together. And I think that's probably a a decent spot to transition to some pitching stuff that uh, I wanted to touch on, particularly because we got another uh, Zach Davies outing last night and uh, lasted only four innings. Gave up two runs, but could have been considerably more because he was getting absolutely hammered. Um, that was, I, I believe I saw, what, he gave up seven balls in play over 104 miles per hour. Just absolute rockets. And that was the by Jesus. far the most of his career in, in a start. Now, some of that, again, changing offensive environment, uh, low key. I think the changes to the baseball may have altered exit velocity a little bit. I think we're going to see that data piling up soon. Uh, but even setting that aside, you know, if you're a command and control sinker baller and your two seamer is consistently middle middle, yikes, man, you're you're going to get blasted. And so, p- somebody, please jump in with like why he's just like a little tweak away from getting back on course because it's 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 been a little scary these four outings. Uh, unfortunately, like I feel like we don't have like the background knowledge with with Davies to really feel comfortable either way uh saying that this is he like here's why what's wrong and here's why he's cooked or here's why he can fix it uh I, he he admitted yesterday that that it is a mechanical thing that he's working on uh he didn't specify what he did he has spoke he did speak about it during spring training that usually it's about being more upright with his delivery uh and and I think he said, you know, like something about making sure he's engaging his core. You know, those those terms that pitchers use that that kind of uh, we're not 100 percent sure exactly what the heck it means <laughs> unless you're actually out there pitching. Uh, but 
uh, yeah, I, I assume that he's working on it. I mean, he said he's working on something specific. The the two seamer, the sinkers. I mean, he's got zero command of it right now. It seems like he's trying to establish down and away from righties, and he's either not getting the chase on it that he wants, or he's he's just a, a tick too far down and away, and they're just spitting on it and and waiting for him to come in the zone and hammering it. And that's, I mean. It's just, you're right, it's a recipe to, for disaster for a pitcher like him. He's not going to, if the command's even slightly off, it's just like Hendricks in the sense that if the command's slightly off, there's no margin for error here. And he doesn't even have other pitches like Hendricks. Hendricks, you know, I know Hendricks is mostly considered a two-pitch guy, but he goes to his four-seamer and his curveball more often than, uh, than, than Davies goes to his cutter. And I believe the other breaking ball, the other pitches a curveball for him uh he Davies barely uses those pitches and he's using them even less right now because he can't even establish his changeup and sinker so he's trying to get that right and it's it's just it looks bad right now I I, I feel bad for guys that uh that come to the team and are new and struggle like this because because fans just assume this is who they are and, and they instantly get this label of, of being a terrible whatever pitcher, hitter, whatever it may be. And it's really hard for them to shed. Like there's so many relievers that the Cubs have that, that are good now, gets, but it yeah. doesn't matter because their first their first few outings stink. And that means they're st- like Rex Brothers will never be considered never. a decent reliever in Chicago. He could he could he could be great the rest of the way. Uh all that's going to be focused on is that first outing last the grand, year the grand against slam, the Reds or the whatever Cassiano's. outing it was for him. Yeah, like that's all people will focus on is that outing, and then you know, and then yesterday's homer to Pete Alonso is that was is a just pretty more bad evidence pitch, that they're though, right, the right? So <laughs> it was a really, yeah, it was. I mean, it was a bad pitch to to a hitter that just sent it to the moon. Uh, but I yes, I. I like it's just so hard to recover with and I'm not picking on Cubs fans I think it's most fan bases are like that you're the new guy in town if you're not if, if you're extremely bad especially to start which I think you could probably say that for Davies right this is pretty this is every, like, every you know, start 10 look ERA I'm not, I know, I like know I'm not it's, being too hard on him yeah and I'm comfortable saying when after every single start there's some new stat that's like, oh, that was his worst of his career in this, and it was his worst in his career. I, I know <laughs> yeah. things are probably yeah. going quite poorly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just it, like that. You need to. I I feel bad for guys like that because it, now it, he's he's going to leave a bad taste in, in fans' mouth for a while now, and he's got a he's got a lot of work ahead of him before Craig he can he can Kimbrel. fix that. And uh, Craig, who knows if again, Kimbrel had to string together like 17 <laughs> scoreless outings in a row before Cubs fans would be like, oh, okay, maybe he isn't terrible. Uh, so yeah, I don't think. I, 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 yeah, I, I, but feel I mean, that. what do He's Cubs okay, fans though. care what Craig Kimbrell did for the Braves in 2012? You know what I mean? Like he was bad at the most important time of the yeah. year at the end of the Madden era, <laughs> like the poom poom Joe Madden to the jaw comments, like, you know, <laughs> and then no one cared if he was getting like pitching That's, well I mean, no, in the seventh inning in an empty stadium last year when the Cubs were riding off their 13 to three start. Like, yeah, no, you're, you're I am right. answer that's, to that question. To me. I care. That, I am the one. That. It is me. And that's about it. 
that's total. I mean, it is pretty fair to, to point that out because I mean, it, like that was, I mean, what Kimbrell did at the end of 2019 was, was some of the harshest stuff I've ever seen a reliever do in a playoff race. I mean, he single-handedly sunk that, sunk that playoff race for them. And, and, you know, I was thinking if they had this bullpen in 2019, how different would the story be? of of everything with this team with with the with the cubs in general if this was their bullpen i i think that it's their strength right now uh, if if they had this bullpen in 2019 i think would be t- like that's one of those things that i think about like we, we talked about last time all the things that could like you know all the various points you could point to of if this went differently or no this is the turning point no this is the turning point that's one of them for me if they just had someone to lock down the ninth in 2019 we'd I think would be talking about a very different story. I don't know if it'd be a good one. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they could have just played out in the playoffs again. They would have made it, it and be, scored zero it'd runs be, in like a, whatever. It'd be a different story. Wild card game, and then uh, yeah. Joe would still would have gotten fired. It'd just been a little more awkward, you know. They wouldn't have had their wine <laughs> summit in St. Louis yeah. at the hotel room. And the conscious uncoupling, as Paul Sullivan of the Tribune called it. It probably would have been a little more awkward, a little more bitter. It would have been harder. It would have been a little messier for for the front office, but uh, that's true. That would have yeah, been more entertaining true. then. See, we missed out. And they would have been able to say that that's, that would have been what, like seven consecutive playoff appearances or whatever, uh, if you count last year's run. I mean, I think, yeah, right? I actually think had they done more after 2019 to like deconstruct the roster, like they probably should have, it would be easier now to look back and say, ah, well, it's actually good that they ended up, you know, flop down the stretch in 2019 because it sort of forced whatever changes, but they didn't do any of that stuff. So I'm right there with Sahada. I'm like, well, all right, then they might as well have been good because, you know, clearly it didn't matter. Um, okay. So, um, uh, we can, we can probably leave a lot of it there with, you know, the setup being, um, nice to see that Adbert Alzali is coming back on Saturday. Uh, for the Cubs, he will start uh, in that series this weekend against the Brewers, where he made his last start against the Brewers, and he was uh, probably the best we have seen him through the first five innings of that start. And then, you know, I don't know, you he loaded the bases in the sixth, and it sort of was sort of fluky, and then he gets pulled, and then whoever gives up the double. I, I think it was a really good outing. I'm really excited to see him back. Um, you know, we that's that's a an element of following the Cubs the last like three or four years is we just there's not a lot of that youth coming up that are like impact guys that we can be like oh I'm can't wait to see him do a thing and so uh, maybe I'm disproportionately excited for that reason but I am stoked about seeing him come up and uh, otherwise we'll uh, you know continue to monitor the rotation I know you had the piece this week Sadev about what happens if the rotation does bottom out this year and we'll see if Kyle Hendricks can bounce back on Friday in advance of that and if if uh, Davies can put together a few good outings I mean I'd give it about he'd have to be pretty flawless for like three months for people to really give him grace that next time he has a bad outing because that's ultimately the test is like you have a good stretch and then if you have one people are like see he's always like this and then I've got to be on there tweeting for an hour <laughs> and like well actually as a matter of fact it's this and and indeed you know the 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 BAPIP was kind of elevated for that outing and um, so anyway, <laughs> good stuff. Good, good start to the week here for the Cubs. Uh, and we will be back at you on Monday 
And we thank you kindly, as always, for listening. This is Ant Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Patrick Mooney and Sahadev Sharma. Get their fantastic stuff at The Athletic. Rate, review, subscribe, all those wonderful things. We appreciate it very much. And we appreciate you listening. And we'll talk to you again soon. Take care.